Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It is our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now here's today's message with Pastor Michael. 1 Samuel 1. So she comes, and she, her soul's bitter. She's obviously heavy of heart, and she made a vow. She said, O Lord of hosts, the phrase Lord of hosts means something like God of dominion over all. Sometimes he's described as the Lord of the angelic hosts or the, the stars. Um, it has the idea of his dominion, his grandeur, his rule over everything. And she says in her desperation, if you will look on the affliction of your maidservant, I want you to see how many times she calls herself the servant of the Lord, and remember me, and not forget thy maidservant, but will give thy maidservant a son. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. Lord, if you will look on my barrenness, if you will remember me with pity. Now remember, the backdrop of the story is who's responsible for her barrenness. God is. But see, God is about to do something through a desperate woman that she could not have imagined. Think of a rural Hannah living with Elkanah and maybe a child is born and now she has the desires of her heart, but she couldn't have known that the Lord was going to use Samuel not only to change Israel, but to change the world. And through this man to anoint David, who would then point to the greater David, whose name is Jesus Christ, the ultimate leader. God's answer for leadership is Jesus Christ. And he has caused this barrenness in this woman to drive her to the point that she will say, Lord, I will give you back. I will give the giver back what you have given to me. Please just bless me with this job. This is a pretty radical vow. I'll give him back to you. Just allow me to be the vehicle of your grace. And she makes her prayer takes a form of a vow. Notice she's called a maidservant. In Luke 1, 37 and 38, the angel says, nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary said, I am the bondservant of the Lord. May it be done to me as you have said. And remember, Mary becomes the vehicle by which Jesus will be born. And her own uh, relative, Elizabeth, who was known as barren, is going to bear a child. And in many of the Old and New Testament stories, you find that just before God does a great work, an unexpected work, He does it in the life of a barren person, a barren woman. You begin to read about the patriarchs and you begin to see um, Abraham and Sarai and you go through the, the story of Isaac and then Jacob and you will see stories of barrenness that precede God pouring out a blessing that could not be contained. You might be in a season of barrenness, I don't know. I'm not making any promises or guarantees to you, but I am saying to you that sometimes in a season of barrenness, it gets your eyes back on the Lord and now you're ready to hear what He wants to do in your life. Amen? Now, the seasons of barrenness are not fun. But sometimes what they do is they drive us to have a more receptive ear to the Spirit of the living God. And then we say, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'll give it back to you. You own everything anyway. Just open my womb and I'll give you this child. That's exactly what God was looking for. Some scholars like to say that Hannah represents Israel. When the people heard that God cared about them, Exodus 4.31, that he was concerned about their slavery and their plight in Egypt, and that he had seen their affliction, 
they bowed low and they worshipped. It's Exodus 4.31 has the idea that when Israel realized that God actually cared about what they were going through, it caused them to worship. And I'll just say this. God does care about what you're going through, even in seasons of barrenness, when you're wondering, is there any grace for me here? You know, they, I hear Christians are supposed to have grace, but I don't know. Even in the book of Judges, when um, Samson is about to be born, in Judges 13, it says, There was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren. She had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and give birth to a son. Now therefore be careful not, uh, not to drink wine or strong drink, nor, nor eat uh, any unclean thing. For behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, and the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. And so Samson did. And Hannah begins to say, Lord, if you will give me a child, maybe she's recollecting the patriarchal stories, maybe she's recollecting the birth of Samson, but she's saying, if you will bless me, then I will give you this child back so you can use him to be, in some sense, a form of a deliverer. That you will use him as a leader in your kingdom. She's looking past, if you will, her immediate need to the bigger picture. Now it came about, verse 12, as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth. I think maybe he was watching over the temple area to make sure everything was cool and done right, but we're going to see that Eli wasn't that great of a man. One writer said of Eli, he was a man who watched lips instead of perceiving hearts, close quote. And we're going to see that he wasn't a good father, and for that matter, he wasn't a good leader. His sons were desecrating the temple. He was doing nothing about it. And he, he watches this woman and he's so used to all kinds of shenanigans going on there in the temple and right outside the temple that he says to Hannah, as she was speaking in her heart, only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. And he said to her, how long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. Now, Hannah was praying where? In her heart. Let me just say something about prayer. You don't have to speak out loud for God to hear you. Matter of fact, he knows what's on your heart before you even could get it out anyway. So you can pray to yourself and you can also pray out loud, but God hears. Why? Because as a Christian, God already lives inside of me. He knows the concerns of my heart. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I'm a woman oppressed in spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have noticed, I have poured out my soul before the Lord. She was giving God everything that was within her. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. She's doing what 1 Peter 5, 7 and Philippians 4, 6 and 7 say. She's pouring out her heart. The psalmist said, As the deer pants for the water brooks, my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before my God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember, Psalm 42, 4, and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with a throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. 
with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. And then he says, Why are you in, remember, despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed in me? Put your hope in God, for I again shall praise him for the help of his presence. Sometimes when your soul is troubled, there's only one way to look. It's been said when you're on your back, there's only one way to look. Right? And that's kind of where Hannah is. She's desperate. And she says in response to Eli's inquiry, do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman. Now his sons are called worthless in chapter 2, verse 12. They're worthless men. I don't know if there's a little... <laughs> I'm not like your kids, man. Okay? They're worthless men. As a matter of fact, some scholars believe this means don't consider me uh, a daughter of Belial. Another name for Satan, by the way. Don't consider me as some worthless person who doesn't honor God. I haven't come here drunk. I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. Man, I'm here because I'm broken, I'm provoked, and I've poured out my soul to God. And Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. Now Samuel couldn't have known that him endorsing this petition would be his undoing because Samuel is going to take his place. This little boy who's going to rise in the the temple is actually going to become the leader of the nation. But he endorses her request. He says, go in shalom. And she said, let your maidservant, notice her humility, find favor, this is a play on words because her name means grace, find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. She came to the sanctuary of heavy heart with a long face. She left with joy. I can't tell you how many Sundays and Wednesday nights that's happened to me. You know, sometimes you come and you're of heavy heart and you think, I don't know if the Lord could ever speak to my situation. Does he really know what's going on in my life? And then it happens. Everything in the sermon was about you. And it's true, we do have people spying on you, so... No, we don't. But see, the Holy Spirit knows what we need, right? And he can take a group of people like this, and he knows your specific situation. And, you know, I'm studying during the week, but God can inspire my thoughts and direction to deal with something in your life. But the text of Scripture is what deals with it. And she came, you know, she approached the sanctuary downcast. She left it with hope. You, O Lord, you're a shield about me. You're the lifter of my head. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're the lifter of my head. Somebody once said to a pastor, what if I just don't feel like reading the Bible anymore? What if I just don't want to come to church anymore? And the pastor said, that's probably when you need it the most. Amen? And so she came downcast. She left with her face lifted up. And then they arose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned again to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah, 19, his wife. And the Lord remembered her. Now, it says in Genesis 8, when God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark. It's not like, the Bible's not saying that God's up in heaven and says, oh, 
That's right. <laughs> Gabriel, call, call the hotline. No, it's still in the ark. I forgot. He's not like us. I do that sometimes. I get a call. Hey, there's somebody waiting for you at the office, Pastor Michael. Oh, no. <laughs> I forgot to check my calendar. Don't worry about this with God. Okay? He doesn't, that's not in his vocabulary. Oh, that's right. He's floating. <laughs> when God remembers, it has the idea of God covering or fulfilling his agreed upon promises. When he decides to remember, quote unquote, it's when he decides to act in something that he is covenant, covenanted to do. Amen? He remembered her. He said, in essence, Hannah, it's time. You made a vow. I closed your womb, but I am sovereign. I'm in control. And they had relations, and Hannah uh, would now conceive. And it came in due time, 20, after Hannah had conceived, that she gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel, saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. Now there's some debate among scholars as to the meaning of Samuel. Some say Samuel's name means heard of God. Some say it sounds like the Hebrew name asked for. By the way, that name is Saul because the people asked for Saul. Others say his name means, name is El. And others say Samuel's name means a God-given child. And maybe all the different takes have, you, if you put them all together, you're getting to the meaning. But it it's, sounds pretty good to say that Hannah named him, I asked for him, and God <laughs> gave him. So it may be that he, it's accurate to say he was asked for. Then the man Elkanah went up with all his household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay his vow. I don't know what vow Elkanah was paying. I don't know if God had made a promise to him. I don't know if it related to Samuel. But he is a faithful man. Notice his consistency in worship. And Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned, and then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord. And would you notice in your Bible, and stay there for how long? Forever. See, she's going to keep her covenant. Numbers 30, verse 13 says, it's the husband's responsibility to decide whether or not he should confirm his wife's oath or annul it. Numbers 30, verse 13. So she could make a vow, but then the husband could decide, yes, that vow will be validated, or no, I'm going to annul that vow. It's kind of like uh, somebody in politics saying, no, I won't sign off on that, and having the authority to reject it and say no. But you're going to notice that uh, Elkanah does not respond that way. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Remain until you have weaned him, probably two or three years old, only may the Lord, would you notice Elkanah's concern? Confirm his word. Was it God's word to Elkanah? Was it God's word to Hannah that she had shared? I don't know for sure. So the woman remained. She didn't go up for the festival. She nursed her son until she was weaned. I want you to think about what was at stake for Elkanah. His firstborn son to the wife that he truly loved, he was giving up forever. 
you know, the focus on Hannah is rightly put there, but Elkanah is saying, the son that we finally got, the son of my true love, if you will, my true uh, first wife, the one I always wanted to have a family with. Now, what does he do? He gives him back to the Lord. Uh, Exodus 13 says, the firstborn belongs to the Lord. And they're literally not even going to pay, pay the five shekel price. They're going to give up the child to the Lord. And they have become kingdom-minded. And Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His kingdom means his rule. You understand? When the Bible says, seek first his kingdom, it means seek his rule in your life. And all these other things will be what? They will be added unto you. Let him rule your life and he'll add everything back in. You try to be the ruler and you're going to lose. You let him rule and you're going to, what? Gain. And Elkanah has done something very radical. He's given up his child to the Lord. Not easy to do. We like control, right? Say, you know, I've got to, I've got to do this. I've got to guide this. I've got to take the wheel. And, and, and Elkanah and Hannah are both saying, Lord, this is, it's kingdom time. May your will, may your purposes come to fulfillment. And when you can get to that place in your prayer life, your life as a Christian will change. I can't say that with enough emphasis. I think it's the thing that Christians struggle with the most, is to be able to go before the Lord and say, your purposes be done. No matter if I have to give this up or sacrifice this, your word be established. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. How did Jesus teach us to pray? On earth as it is in heaven, right? Man, that's not easy though. And notice this couple. And notice how in your own life, a kingdom mindset will change everything. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with a three-year-old bull, a ephah, a flower. These are things to sacrifice it. And a jug of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, although the child was young, maybe about three. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. For this boy, I prayed. I just want to pause there for a second. We're almost done. Ever just had a moment in your life and said, this is, <laughs> this is what I prayed for. And you tell somebody, and they're like, geez, what's wrong with you? Do you know God answers prayer? Yeah, but, but that's what, he's what I prayed for. He's here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, you don't understand. You don't know how many years I was barren. You don't know how long I prayed for that kid. He's here. You see, God does things in his time and in his way. And she says, I'm the woman. I prayed for this kid, and the Lord, he's given me my petition, which I ask of him. And so, I have also dedicated him to the Lord. This is where the Christian church has uh, landed in the idea of dedicating children who are young. I've dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord. And he, the Bible says in New King James, they worship the Lord there. Um, all these phrases, petition, asked, dedicated, all relate to the word ask in Hebrew. Are you and I, as we close, application, dedicated to the Lord? 
Is it your heart's desire? Is this the way we pray? Lord, grant me this so it can be dedicated to you. I'll tell you what, that will change your Christian life. Because women taught to pray in the church culture oftentimes very selfish prayers. You know, just use this formula in the name. You got to say it that way. And if you say it in the name, well then, right? And that's sometimes what we hear. But, but the prayer is, no, Lord, give me this so it may be dedicated to you. How would that underlying passion change your prayers? Hannah did want a son, but she also wanted to invest in something bigger than herself, bigger than her dreams, bigger than the area of her life in which she was provoked. And sometimes it is through barrenness and crisis that we see a little clearer what our lives are supposed to be about. They're supposed to be about the kingdom of God. And you say, well, that seems a little weird to, to be here only for the purposes of the kingdom, but when you seek the kingdom, you're going to find that God will bless you with all the things that you really want anyway. So we can learn from 1 Samuel that God is sovereign. He's working in dark and difficult days even when we can't see it. We can see Elkanah and Hannah both being faithful to honor God as best they could even in the barren days. We can see Hannah go to God in prayer, not as a religious formality, but because her heart was heavy, because she had no place else to go. And Samuel emerges. God has heard the prayer. And his life will be much, much bigger than she ever could have imagined. She'll become a vehicle to change the world. How about you and how about me? 1 Samuel 1 reminds us that God is sovereign, but God cares. It reflects his care for Israel, but for that matter, the church and the world. The world is in crisis. Well, there's a barrenness in leadership. And Hannah's story, as we will see next Wednesday, parallels another story of a one, woman named Mary. And in Luke chapter one, we'll read a parallel to Hannah's song. Hannah will praise God in chapter 2, and this will be a parallel to what's called Mary's Magnificat, where she will sing praises because she becomes the vehicle by which God will bring the ultimate leader into the world, the Messiah. Lord, we want to be vehicles for your grace and your truth. Thank you that um, the folks come here on Wednesday nights hungry to be just that. Lord, whatever has been from you, let people hold on to it. Let, them, let it percolate in their souls. Let them act upon your word and your will. Whatever's been from me that's not of benefit, let them quickly forget it. Lord, let us be vehicles of your purposes. Even when we don't understand seasons of life and being provoked and irritated and troubled and when we see that maybe there's not even a little light at the end of the tunnel. May we know that you're on the throne, that you do work, that sometimes seasons like this do precede great seasons of unexpected blessing. And may you work in the lives of these precious people so that they will hold on to you when there's nothing else there. I think that's, Lord, where we need to be always, but sometimes in these moments, it's where we have to be. With your head and heart bowed, if you don't know Christ tonight, Run to him, that's all I could say. Run to his finished work on the cross, his resurrection, his love for you is real and he does want to move in your life tonight. If you've been running from God and you have found that you are barren, 
and you want to come back and you want to find that fullness of life again, he is right here, right now, to fill you afresh with his Holy Spirit, to set your feet upon solid ground and illuminate a new path for you. Cry out to him. You don't have to have a perfect prayer. Just pour your soul out. That's what Hannah did. Tell him what your need is. Ask him to work in your life. You don't have to make a vow. All you have to do is say, Lord, I'm going to give you whatever I can give and let him do the rest. Lord, thank you for this tremendous story in 1 Samuel. We love you. We pray you be glorified in our lives this this, uh, next few days until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to listen to this message, or if you would like more information about the ministry of Living Truth, please visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. This is Living Truth Radio. My name is Michael Lance. I'm one of the pastors at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. And I have the privilege to come to these microphones for Living Truth Radio. Living Truth Radio is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. And uh, we would love it if you could continue to pray for us and support us. You can go to our website, livingtruthradio.org, to find out more information about the church fellowship, ways that you can uh, access materials, which are all free on the site. And if you can, support us by giving. If you want to donate to this ministry, which is listener-supported, and there's a lot of neat opportunities for us, we would encourage you to give to the ministry. Go to livingtruthradio.org, click on the Donate button, and you'll be uh, directed to a PayPal where you can indicate radio ministry. We deeply appreciate you giving sacrificially and joyfully to this ministry. We just want to make sure you know that, you know, this does not take the place of giving to your church, but... If the program, if this ministry has been a blessing to you, then uh, we appreciate all the support that you can give us. I want to just say God bless you. Thank you, listening family. We love you. And uh, if you need anything from us, if you need prayer, if you want to let us know how the program has been a blessing to you, if you'd just like to reach out and find out more about the Church Fellowship, any of the above can be done at livingtruthradio.org. We'll catch you next time on the program. God bless you. Hi, this is Pastor Michael, and I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio. And, you know, when we're doing radio, folks, um, it's a little hard to tell who's listening. And we'd like to be able to uh, hear from our listening audience. And we're not asking for anything other than just drop us an email and let us know uh, if the program has been a blessing to you. We'd certainly like to hear from you. We're always looking how to best spend our stewardship dollars in terms of the ministry of radio. And so we, we'd like to know uh, how we're doing. And drop the email to office at livingtruthcorona.org. That's office at livingtruthcorona.org. Org. And just let us know who you are and if you've been listening, if the program's been a blessing to you. That would really help us out, and that would be a blessing to us just to hear from some of our radio listeners. So again, drop an email to office at livingtruthcorona.org. Thank you so much for listening and praying for us and supporting us if you can. And we uh, are very appreciative of the body of Christ and pray that the Lord will bless you and your family.